Good morning.
But I think about this some. I want all my affairs in order. You know, and that may go back to working in a funeral business so much. But I want that so Larry and the kids don't have to deal with it. But what will we leave behind for our legacy? Yeah. yeah, think what will you leave behind? Now, for some it'll be money. That's not going to be me. I'm spending mine now, so get one thought over it. I've said that before, Amen. you know. Others, it could be land, it could be a house, it could be material things. I want to leave my family with the knowledge and desire to know Christ. If I can plant the seed in their heart or their mind, to want to study the word and know more about him, that's the legacy I want to leave behind. You know, some of us used to say, well, we said it a lot. Well, a hundred years from now, who's going to know? He was talking about where, who, what, what we've done. A hundred years from now, who will remember my name? I don't care if they remember my name. But if I can plant the seed, of God in their heart that will go from generation to generation you know we talk about in a hundred years who will know well guess what been over two thousand years and people still know this is what we want to carry on as our legacy not what I've done what I've had what I didn't have what I did or didn't do who or who I was not this is what I want to go on as my legacy. People to know about God, you know. It's written in his word. <laughs> this is the written word, but what did they do before that? It was passed down from generation to generation, you know, by word of mouth, told from generation to generation. And it was so important that they not mess up. They wanted to be sure that when they told the story, they got it right, that nothing was changed about it. You know, we talk about that little game you play at school where you start on one side and tell them something. By the time it gets to the other side, it's completely out of proportion. It doesn't even sound like what started. Amen. That wasn't the way it was about the Word of God. When it was retold, it was retold exactly how it was supposed to be. So, you know, if 2,000 years ago they're passing down the gospel, shouldn't we be doing that today? <clears throat> and yet sometimes we just sit on our pew or sit in our car or sit at our house or sit at our job and never say a word about the gospel and what God can do. So we have to pass that down so that 100 years from now they will know. So the Bible says we can cause curses or blessings come upon our, our families from generation to generation. I want my family to have blessings. Even after I'm dead and gone, I want my family to be blessed. What's that all saying? There's three things you have to do, and that's be born, pay taxes, and die. Well, you don't have to pay taxes. You may go to jail if you don't, but you don't have to pay them. But if you're born... Unless the rapture takes place, you are going to die. So we need to remember God gave us the gift of life. It was a gift from him. And we know one day that we're going to die. So what are we doing with that gift? If 
It's a gift from him, and we're to use it. How are we using it? Are we putting it to good use? Now, a preacher preached a funeral one time, talked about the dash. You go out to a cemetery, and you'll see so-and-so's name and from 1956 to the dash and then the date that they died. And he talked about the dash. What do you do with the in-between? Now, God gave you life, and you're going to die. So what do we do with the in-between? What's our legacy going to be? As Christians, what will we leave back behind, and what have we done with our life? And you shouldn't wait till you get older, closer, because I'm going to be 67 in July. So I'm past my halfway mark, more than likely. Well, no, really, I am. What have I done with what's behind me? Would I be proud to stand before God and Him look at the things that I've done? So as Christians, we need to think about what we're leaving behind. And to be successful, you don't have to be famous or rich. Because I know a lot of, you see on TV, a lot of rich and famous people that are not happy. Is your life productive? <clears throat> and I guess by that, I mean what the Bible states. Are you fruitful? When I say are you productive, are you fruitful? Are you a fruitful person? Do we help others? Do we include God in all that we do? We're supposed to. Everything we think, say, and do. It's supposed to bring glory to God. Does it? And only you can answer that, you know? We all talk about going to heaven, talk about everlasting life, and how wonderful it's going to be. That's true. It is. But none of us really want to die. I'm ready. I know that when I take my last breath, I know that I know that I know where I'm going. I know. But I don't want to go right now. And probably when I take my last breath, I'm not going to be wanting to go. Because we've got loved ones that we're leaving behind, that we care about, that we want to help take care of and all my kids are grown but I still tend to want to help take care of them. Right. You know, you worry about them, especially if they're not in church. So we really don't want to die but we can be ready and not have to be scared of dying. And that makes all the difference in the world. You know, sometimes I think we just have a survival mode in us that we don't want to give it up. We don't want to pass away. Sometimes I don't know. I guess sometimes we kind of just give up on ourselves, on others, on life. You know, just remember, we're all going to have trials and troubles. Larry talked to a young man the other night that I really pray for that young man because of the state of mind that he was in. We wasn't real sure. His daddy called Larry and told Larry to call him. Sometimes people just give up. They just give up. They think nobody cares. They think nobody would miss them. They think it doesn't matter. They don't matter to anybody. We as Christians need to be telling people, you do matter. Not just other Christians. We need to be telling the world, you matter to God. God loves you. 
he wants you to have fellowship with him. Because when you're down and you hit rock bottom and you've got no place else to go, God is the answer. And he'll always be there. Turn over to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, <clears throat> verse 7, 7 and 8. Romans 14, 7 and 8. It says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. So from birth to death, God loves us, and he wants what's best for us. He created us and allows us to have life. Goes back to what do we do with it? We have to choose to, he gives us life, but we have to choose to allow him into our life. And there's a difference in that, you know? Let's look at the no man liveth to himself or dies to himself. You know? So we're not born and then kind of put on an island all by ourselves to live out our days. Or sometimes if you have a house full of kids, you wish you could be on an island by yourself. Especially teenagers. You know? But God didn't make us to be isolated. God created men for companionship with him. So then he made woman so man would have companionship. So he doesn't want you to be by yourself. How we live affects other people. It affects our loved ones, it affects our co-workers, it affects the people that we come in contact with. You know, if even a total stranger. You can come in contact with a total stranger and they can say, Hi, how are you? And you can look at them and say, fine, how are you? Or you can look at them and say, I'm okay. How we react to other people, how we treat, how we interact with other people makes all the difference in the world. And as Christians, we're supposed to be God-like. We're supposed to be Christ-like. So, and I'm going to be real honest, if you're a Christian, You've got something to be happy about. You've got something to be joyful about. You've got something to praise God for because he has saved you from a burning hell. So how we act and interact should, even if they're hateful, harsh, short, in a bad mood, you choose, goes back to choices, you choose how you react to them. And you can say that's just the way I am, or God made me do it, or devil made me do it, or whatever. You choose yourself how you react to someone. Do I always react like I'm supposed to? No, I do not. Sometimes I fail miserably and I have to repent and say I'm sorry. But as Christians, we are to strive to act like Christ and to react like Christ. So how we live affects other people. Anything that we do affects the people around us, whether it's good or bad. It just does. We interact with people all the time. What do they think about us when we walk away? Because they do. 
just like you do, just like I do. You meet someone and they walk away and you have an impression of them. What is their impression of us when we walk away? Can they tell that we're really a Christian? Do they think we're fake Christians? Is somebody putting up a front? And you know the answer and God knows the answer. And if it's not the right answer, then talk to God. You know? Death. We cannot avoid death. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7. It says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Goes back to if the rapture doesn't take place, we're all going to die. But whether we die or we get caught up in the air, we're all going to bow before God someday. It says, all, every, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Saint or sinner, we're all going to stand before Christ someday. What legacy did I leave behind? God gave us precious gift of life. Do some good with it. Do something with it. You know, um, of course, and I say this all the time, it's your choice. You get to choose. You choose how you live your life. You choose if you serve God or not. You chose what you wore to church this morning. You chose if you came to church this morning. We make choices all the time. We need to be prayed up and read up enough that we're making godly choices. Just kind of think of the pros and cons of living for the Lord. You have salvation or damnation. You can have blessings or you can have curses. You can be happy or you can be discontented. And I really, I know I get on that subject a lot. You know, well, you don't know what's going on in my life. Well, you don't know what I've been through. You can still go through things and be happy in the Lord. Amen. You choose. You can choose to say, okay, God is with me. I don't like what's going on. I wish it wasn't happening, but he's with me. And I'm going to hang on to that. And find some peace in that. Right. Or you can say, woe is me and wallow down in pity all you want to and want everybody else to feel sorry for you. Have you ever known somebody that when they're going through something, they want everybody in the country to know they're going through it? You know, they want all the attention, all the pity that they can get. If God is with you, no matter what you go through, you're going to make it through it. I didn't say it'd be easy. I didn't say you'd like it. But God will be with you and he will bring you through it. You've got love or you can have hatred and resentment. You can have joy or you can have a void in you that nothing's ever going to fill and you're never satisfied. I've seen people, Christians, that are never satisfied with what they've got. And there's nothing wrong with wanting better. That's not what I'm saying but they're never happy. And if you're never happy, I tend to have to wonder how much of Jesus do you have in your heart? 
Because if he's in your heart, you should be happy all the time. You know, you are blessed. Be thankful. Instead of looking over and saying, well, Brother Leon's got a new car, and I'm driving this one I've had for 10 years. Brother Leon may work really hard for that car. Blessings will come. If you are a Christian, blessings will come. They'll come at your time that God wants you to have them. So he may bless Brother Leon today, and he may bless me tomorrow. So be happy even when your brother and sister gets blessed. You know, there's so many benefits. That peace I'm talking about. You know someone that's angry all the time? You're not even sure what they're angry about. It's like they're mad. How many times have you said they're mad at the world? You know? Disorderly life, confusion. Bible tells us God is not a God of confusion. And I had to remind myself of that this past week and make a decision on something because I was just up in the air, didn't know what to do. It was going to be a big change in our life. And I was laying in bed praying about it. And God is not a God of confusion came across my mind. And I said, that makes my decision right there. Because if making the decision is causing all this confusion and this stress, then it's not of God. And once I made the decision, then it's gone and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Amen. You know, there are so many things that we get benefits from serving the Lord. So many for living for Him. But you have to choose to live for him. You know, you have to want to live for him. But just remember, there are consequences for everything. Every choice you make, there's a consequence for it. Amen. Good or bad. But there are consequences for choices that we make even after death. No? Death is when we take our last breath. We're not going to be here on this earth anymore. We're not going to be in this world anymore. But we've been promised so much more than what this world can give. Jesus was talking to the Jews. Turn over to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 51. John chapter 8, verse 51. Like I said, this is Jesus talking. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. So if we keep his commandments, we'll go from this world to the next. And we don't do it until we take our last breath. I love that song Brother Leon sings, I won't have to cross Jordan alone. There'll be someone there to show me the way. So it says, if a man keep my sayings, we have to keep his commandments until we take our last breath. It's not a get saved and then I can do what I want to. It's not going to work. I mean, it's just not. It's not going to work. You have to keep his commandments your whole life. 
You have to live for him your whole life. When you take, and I've made this comment, when I take my last breath, I hope I'm praising the Lord. Amen. And if I've got this, I love that walk around me, Jesus. If I've got the strength, I hope my hand is up in the air thanking him because I know I'm fixing to go home. Because what is it they say? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures I lay up somewhere beyond the blue. We need to have that attitude. Let's skip over to John 11. Now, this is Jesus talking to Martha about Lazarus. John 11, verse 26. But even though he's talking to Martha, the word of God is for all of us. Not just parts of it. You can't pick and choose. I know some people that will pick and choose what scripture they want to go by. And oh, we don't go by that other. This is all the word of God. And we're supposed to live by all of it. I can't pick and choose what's easy or what I like. And then not live by the rest of it because it takes me out of my comfort zone. I have to live by the whole word of God. John chapter 11, verse 26 says, And whosoever, y'all know that's my favorite word, whosoever, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this? And he was asking Martha that. Because Lazarus had died, and she said, If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And he was telling her that he would live again, and she was saying, Yeah, after the resurrection. But he's saying, Whosoever liveth, liveth, and believeth, shall never die. See, it's not just about believing in God. You have to live for God. Anyone can believe, doesn't matter who they are or what they've done. You also have to live it. So we can't just believe. We have to live it unto the end. Do we? Do we live it? When I take, like I said, when I take my last breath, I want to be praising God. He's so wonderful. He's been so good to me. He has blessed me and my family so much. I could stand up here and by tonight not be through saying what all he's done for me. So if we know we're going to die, don't we want to be prepared for it? And I don't mean rearranging a funeral or buying your burial plot not what I'm talking about. You should do that. I'm a firm believer in that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritually. Are we prepared spiritually to die? Because we've talked about the blessings we receive here on earth. Well, there's going to be blessings that we're going to receive so much better after we die. Turn over to Revelations chapter 21. Revelations chapter 21. And we have quote this scripture a lot. We call on this scripture a lot. We repeat this scripture a lot. Revelations chapter 21 and verse 4. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. As Christians, 
look what we've got forward to look forward to after death. As a Christian, I look forward to God blessing me every day. But after death, look what I've got to look forward to. God blesses me every day now, but that don't keep me from getting out of bed in the morning time and having to stand there for a minute to get adjusted so I can start in forward motion. We were laughing. I don't come to the altar and kneel anymore. I can't. It's hard for me to get back up. I'm not going to have to worry about that. I'm going to be on my knees praising and worshiping God. There won't be a cramp in my leg, Sister Sue. I'll be able to do whatever. There'll be no more pain. That's worth going to heaven for right there. And if you get older, some of you young people don't know what I'm talking about, but once you get our age, you will understand, I'll guarantee you. No more crying. How many times have we cried over our children and our grandchildren just to get them saved? Things that they're going through. I used to pray, Lord, get them saved no matter what. Just get them saved. Then they'd come a hardship. Lord, take this off of them. Don't let them go through this. What do I want? Do I want them saved or do I want them not to have to go through this? Because sometimes your loved ones have to go through a hard time to get them saved. But as a mama and as a grandma, I don't want my kids to have to go through stuff. What do I want, my will or do I want God's will? Big difference. Because what I'd like is for them to get saved. Well, I don't know where they get it from, but my kids are hard-headed. It must be Larry. Couldn't be me. This couldn't be me. That's right. He's not here and he can't say anything. But God has to do it his way. And we have to learn to accept that. And I have really, I mean, he sometimes he has thrown me on the head pretty hard to get my attention. But I have realized God's got to do it his way. And if something has to happen that puts him in a hardship, I'm going to step back and just say, Lord, I'll see him on the other side when you bring him through it. And sometimes it's hard to let go and let God, especially when it's your children and your grandchildren. So there's not going to be any more tears. There's not going to be any more sorrow. When we lose a loved one, we grieve. It hurts our heart. There won't be any of that in heaven. There'll be no more death in heaven. We won't have to face that anymore. And Someone said something the other day. My mom's been dead since I was 15 years old. And there are still days that I'd like to sit down and talk to her. She never saw any of her grandkids born. She she didn't see me graduate high school. She didn't see me get my first job other than working in the field. She missed everything. And there are days that I would love to sit down with her and just say, look, and Jim, like I said, Jim was in yesterday. She's my second child. She is my mother made over. Spitting image, red hair and everything. My mom never got to see her. There'll be no more death in heaven. That's going to be wonderful. Wonderful. No more sorrow. No more pain. All that's passed away and is behind us. As Christians, 
we should be looking forward to that. We should be glad that someday I'm going to make it. But we have to live it now to get there. If you were going on vacation, well, I've got a daughter leaving to go to Florida tomorrow. They're going down there for a week. She's got it all planned out. I'm sure they've got the motel room planned, booked, paid for, whatever. Well, now she gets up tomorrow morning and she sits down in her car and she's going to be headed to Florida. She never turns the ignition over. How long do you think it's going to take for her to get there? She's going to be sitting in that driveway come the week when the vacation's over with. And yet that's how some of us plan our relationship with God. We get saved. We get saved. We're on our journey. And then we never turn the ignition over and put it in gear and take off. We just sit. And we think that we're going to make our destination. Well, you're not. You're not. We have to live for God. And we've got so much to look forward to afterwards. Like I said earlier, as humans, we don't want to go to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my loved ones behind. But I'm not afraid to die because I know what lies ahead for me. And that goes back to knowing that you know that you know. If you don't, if you say, I think I'll go to heaven, I hope I'll make it to heaven, I'm wanting to make it to heaven, get in the Word. Get closer to God. Spend more time with Him. Because He'll let you know when you're at the spot in your life with Him that you know, that you know, that you know. But the one thing you're going to have to do is give Him 100% control of your life. He's not going to take 50. He's not going to take 98. He says He's a jealous God. He says if you're lukewarm, he'll spew you out of his mouth. He'd rather you be hot or cold. You're going to have to give him 100% control of your life. And I was a Christian for years before I actually did that. I got saved. I lived for him. I paid my tithes. I went to church. I volunteered. I taught. And yet, I wasn't where... And yet I thought and hoped, I hoped when I, if something happened to me, I would make it to heaven. Well, it took me years to realize I don't want to hope I make it to heaven. I don't want to go to heaven. I don't think I'm going to heaven. I want to know that I know that I know. And until I totally gave him control of my life, and say, God, you can do so much more with it than I can because I've messed it up big time. That's when I knew that I knew that I knew. But if you're not a Christian, you're not living for God, what have you got to look forward to? Turn over to Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. <coughs> Matthew chapter 13, verse 49 and 50. It says, So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth, 
and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. God is not going to reward the wicked when they take their last breath. Once you've taken that last breath, you have already made your decision, and it's finished. So you really need to think about it. We make our own choices, and don't think that just because you acknowledge there is a God, that you're going to get a free pass into heaven, because that's not how it works. You have to live for him. Now listen, turn over to Revelations 21. I want you to hear this part. Revelations 21, verse 7 and 8. Revelations 21, 7 and 8. It says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But, now there's a lot of buts in the, in the Bible, because it will say, but if you do this, or if you don't do this, and it gives you the results of what's going to happen. It said, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, not just big lies, white lies count too, and all liars shall have their shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death so if we know we're all going to die what do we want to come after that because something is coming after that I've had people say well when you die it's just over with no it's not honestly it's just beginning because the life you hit I said I'm halfway over my life over what I live if I live to be 140, that's still just a drop in a bucket compared to what eternity is. Amen. So no matter how old you are here, when you die, you're really just starting after you take your last breath. Where do you want to spend it? What do you want to do? Goes back to, it's your choice. It's your choice. God's not going to make it for you. He won't. God will not make that choice for you. He wants you to live for him, but he won't make you live for him. And nobody else can make us live for him or not live for him. Now, we're always like, well, they just browbeat me about going to church. They may, I heard someone say the other day, I was made to go to church when I was a kid, so when I turned 18, I was out of there. I heard Tommy Allen say one time, the Bible says, teach your kids, and I'm paraphrasing, teach your kids the way of the Lord, and when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. Now, that young man, well, he wasn't a young man anymore. He was probably 30 or 40, still young to me. But the word had been implanted, and he can get out of church all he wants to, and he can do whatever he wants to. But the seed has been planted in him, and he knows the word. Amen. So Tommy finished that with saying, that doesn't mean I'm not so, I didn't sow a lot of wild oats in between. You plant the seed. 
you get the word in them and it will be there no matter where they are or what they're doing we've got five girls one of them go to church the rest were raised in church they know the word someday because i'm standing on the word they're going to get saved we have to decide where we want to spend eternity i saw a church sign that said smoking or non-smoking where, what legacy do we want to leave? Because we are all going to die. Is it going to be heaven or is it going to be hell? You have to choose for yourself. I could choose where I want my girls to go, but that's not going to help them get there. They have to choose for themselves. But be careful what you choose because eternity is for a long time. A long, long time. It's forever. Here on earth, we're just here. You see where people live 100 years and you're like, man, that's a long time. That's nothing compared to eternity. So we're all going to die unless the rapture takes place. Where are you gonna, what are you going to do with it? And then what are you going to do with your life up until then? Your choice. You decide. I hope to see you all in heaven someday. So if you don't know that you know, get to the point that you do know that you know. Brother John, that's all I got.